Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Pipeline Superheroes podcast, hosted by Grant Cohen, where we interview SaaS founders, operators, investors, and all-around go-to-market gurus. Today, we have a really interesting guest, Giannis Vaver from Latvia, by ways of Trace Space, a new product development and AI-powered requirement management tool. Uh, Giannis, tell us about your journey and how are you doing today? Start with the second question first. Awesome. Thanks for having, for having me. Yeah. Uh, I'm just uh, coming uh, off of my first Trace Space board meeting. There you go. And we, we had it face-to-face in, in Riga, Latvia. So it's been a really eventful week. We closed some awesome new hires and really, really cranking right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you just raised a pre-seed round. Tell us what that means for Trace Space and sort of the plan there. Yeah, so we we closed the pre-seed, um, and uh, when we were you know working with the, with my co-founders to really figure out like what what we want to do, how we're gonna want to run the company, uh, so we had sort sort of a couple of options. So we could bootstrap for a while. Uh, we could have gone through an accelerator uh, or an incubator, uh, but since uh, Two of us, me and Mikos, have quite a lot of experience in sort of VC-backed high-growth tech companies. Uh, we made a decision that we're going to go out and raise a pre-seed even before we have a product. Uh, so basically uh, with a deck and an idea and a team. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, and what it means for us is mainly the ability to validate the name and the idea in a public domain. And uh, really go out and hire uh, for the for the talent that we believe um, will get us uh, to seed and beyond. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think that's uh, the idea of raising around pre-product is not that foreign. I think that a lot of companies were able to do that. It's you know not saying anything groundbreaking here. A slightly harder time to raise given you know, all the economic markets and that. Why do you think TraceSpace was able to do that? And maybe this could shift into like, what is the product and what's special about it? I think there are two main reasons um, why we were able to raise in this market. Uh, so, and there's maybe like a third third, third one that also could be could be said here. So first, first of all, um, right now, I think seed is easier than, B, B or A, uh, because really, you know, if you are in series A or series B, you really need to accelerate now, which is pretty hard to, to do. And and we did pre, a pre-seed, uh, which the investors don't really expect a return for in the next five years, at least. And so it really means that we just uh, had to focus on the potential uh, market that we are going into, which is another thing. It's not uh, a tech company market, so we are going in uh, after uh, enterprises in industrial and automotive space, and also they're not really dependent right now on kind of the tech market downturn. And 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 finally, the team you know, we have, uh, I think, a really good founding team. Um, I worked at, at, at Jama Software uh, and Localize 
that were both high growth companies. Mikus worked with with me in Localize and uh, and uh, in Chili Piper, and our third mm -hmm. co-founder has been you know building these very complex systems for the government and really has a very solid understanding both of the market but also on how to build software uh, for for a, a, a serious a, sort of a serious um, mm -hmm. user you know someone mm -hmm. who's demanding quality and and and, and uh, stability and reliability and and, and just usability Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like your background is, you know, in sales and you've run sales at some interesting software companies as well. Um, tell us about like the ICP of Trace Space and how you're approaching like entering that market and selling to that new client. So initially we're now really narrowing down. Uh, I think over time it is going to be uh, a lot wider than than it is today. Uh, but right now, the ICP is uh, mid-market to small enterprise uh, companies in industrial and automotive space that build uh, hardware and software together, so integrated systems. So companies are up to 10,000 employees. And um, really, it's just there is the practice of called systems or requirements engineering that the market that we are going after. And if you're building a complex system in, in, in any of these industries like automotive industrial, you really need to apply this practice, um, especially if you are if, if the product is in kind of regulated or audited domain, uh, which automotive is. And uh, yeah, it's, if it, ha it has hardware, software together, you really need to to have something in place and trace space is the solution. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and what is sort of like the aha moment for this seller? Like what is the, the big pain point the product is addressing? So we're starting with, um, with addressing the, the issue uh, of collaboration uh, in, in between engineering disciplines. So when you, when you build a complex product, like, uh, a car battery or, uh, um, you know, an autonomous driving sort of vehicle, but, you know, it consists of a lot of complex components. And, um, you know, the when you build something like that, you start off by basically writing sort of the high level description of the system. Uh, and then you, you sort of break it down into basically requirements and specifications and solution, design solutions and 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 uh, this process is very um, important, but also quite tedious and very collaboration heavy. So because not 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 a single engineer can describe a complex system in its entire entirety entirety. So real so basically, you have to have um, a good way to collaborate between engineering disciplines. And so the, none of the existing solutions in the market really provide uh, a non-frequent user uh, ability to quickly go into a system, understand what's going on, uh, you know, answer to some comments, review the part they need to review. And so there's it's a big pain. Like we spoke to quite a few companies uh, when we did the market research, and uh, 
you need to get people to write requirements, but they don't want to do it because it's just tedious. Uh, the systems are very complex to use and heavy, and you need people to collaborate. And, and, and none of the systems in the market today provide the type of collaboration that people expect today, which is, you know, very um, like Slack kind of like with uh, with informal at mentions comments. And if you want something more structured, like Google, you need to have a Google Docs experience. And so these two are the things that we're really uh, focused on, like the, the 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 collaboration. So altering in a collaborative way and then reviewing, approving uh, and, and also informally just making sure that the specification comes together. And there's this question with, with AI that's also quite, uh, it's coming up so quickly right now. And um, I think there are many ways how we will enhance uh, collaboration uh, with AI as well. Yeah, I find that the AI, like, you know, and everyone plays around with the shiny tool of like the chat function that you can necessarily communicate with. Yeah. And I think that it'll really more fill in the gaps of communication that's a little bit more prosaic in forms and necessarily like, you know, it can fill in gaps and predict behavior. I don't think it can replicate, you know, creative thought quite yet. So I'm curious, like how you think of AI, at least in like the product development of it all. I think it's a very good question um, overall uh, because there's a paradigm shift that's happening right now. So a product development companies, uh, if you know IBM Watson, for example, they've been working on like trying to integrate some sort of elements of AI into product development process for quite a while. And it's usually something they use you know, principles of uh, natural language processing and, and machine learning to, let's say, to score if, a, if a, a piece of document or a requirement or a specification is written, you know, in a, in a good way. In, in a, in a, or a, does it like fit the typical way how requirements should be written with some of these shawl statements and things like that. But the paradigm shift happened when GPT came out with this chat sort of context contextual evolution of 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 a thought where you can ask AI to say, well, I, the output you gave me is not sufficient. You need to sort of dig deeper in a way. And so that's that's the the big thing right now is um, you can it's like an intern that never gets tired. So if you're a professional, like a requirements systems engineer, someone who can build uh, a very complex system, you can prompt the AI uh, and until you get the result that satisfies you. And that was not previously possible. So it could only tell you, you know, it, it seems like it's high quality or seems like you need to work on it. But now sort of, it does the job for you. Uh, so one of our um, design partners is saying that it made made him 600% more productive just at the wow. altering piece. Right. So he's been, he's been uh, just mind blown how, how his life has changed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's definitely like a tool. I know that people, whenever they hear about AI um, and like there's like this sort of looming idea of, uh, 
AI replacement in factory work, industrial work, or even like something like truck drivers. Um, while, you know, I think it just is necessarily going to be a boon to skilled workers over time. Um, cool. And then tell us what else is sort of in the vision of Trace Space. So it sounds like, you know, you're able to raise the funding, you're having the initial board meetings, um, the product is being developed. What, how do you picture the go-to-market as somebody with go-to-market experience? Yeah. Um, I'm sure many people, you know, think that uh, the term PLG is sort of a buzzword these mm -hmm. days. Uh, but for us, PLG really is actually just uh, one of the ways how to reduce friction. And uh, the concept of building for the end user is, I think, is very compelling. And and really making sure that the tool primarily addresses the end user pains and is accessible to the end user. So what we are envisioning for the future of uh, trace space is making sure that we are not dogmatic about what approaches for go-to-market we apply, but we apply those that re remove the friction uh, at each stage of the user journey. So for example, easily accessible trial and a free version of the product uh, provides an end user way to actually feel if the product is is even fitting for what they uh, need instead of waiting for you know three days till someone responds to your demo request prompt and then hopefully getting a meeting with and then getting past qualification i think there's just a lot of friction so we just want to remove uh aspects like that and then you know if we need an account manager later to to help customer really understand the value and to, to roll out to an enterprise that's not a, you know it's not a problem we just have to 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 see what the users need so this this is the mindset uh for for the trade space the go to market and overall i think the product uh, you know, will evolve from sort of a requirements authoring and collaboration solution into a product development platform where we can start solving individual jobs to be done by, you know, integrating with other products or building apps for specific engineering disciplines. So we'll mm -hmm. be the, the core, um, the nerve center for product development. But also, we're not dogmatic about um, letting other tools uh, shine where they are the best, and you know, sync that data back to to trace space. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And then I saw on your LinkedIn that you early in your career uh, were a sales development representative. Um, do you think that? Well, let me ask you this: What do you think about cold outbound in general? Because I I've had my own theories about the efficacy of that that I've talked about on this, but I would love to hear from somebody with direct outbound experience. Well, I'm a, I'm an SDR again right now. So it's maybe founder-led outbound, but I'm, mm -hmm. um, you know, to get uh, potential customers and design partners on board, I'm, I'm doing a lot of outbound right now. And, uh, and obviously there's a different conversion rate. Um, when you when a founder does it compared to oh, yeah. an SDR, yeah. yeah. But I really <laughs> do think that uh, 
outbound is 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 not gonna go away um it's just that what is gonna go away is the the kind of crazy outbound we were seeing in that in the peak of the last two years in that and this bull market where companies were hiring you know 30 50 100 sdr teams and then we're not like really making sure that the, the quality is there and uh and so i i do actually every day see quite a lot of low quality outbound but but that just means that once you do it right it's easy to stand out and uh, making sure that you write to the right persona with the right messaging uh, about the potential pains that they they have uh, is actually always relevant and and I, I would be happy to receive more more relevant outbound um but yeah i'm 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 pretty sure it's going to it's going to just need to uh, to be more targeted to uh, instead of this blanket bombardment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think people like ultimately in sales it's about like listening to your prospect and you can pre-listen by like not just hitting them up like there's up there's nothing more annoying than being hit up by an sdr or whatever kind of salesperson with a challenge you don't have or like reaching out for a company you don't work for anything like that um i think that like you know the attention to detail is so important and you know i feel for the sdr in that situation because they necessarily need to do everything at scale and that's almost impossible while also trying to put up the volume just because of the conversion rates of it all um my theory on on cold email and outbounding well aside from like the persona part of it is that you need to come in with value right so you need to solve problems or you need to provide value without even solving a problem so like with bloom growth what we do from an outbounding standpoint as we always just sort of do first few touches are just like, hey, here's some value. Here's a demo. Here's a, you know, a data sheet that describes the problem yeah. you have that, you know, funny enough, my, my, you know, product or service fixes. And we start there. And I think that that is really compelling. Um, and then more to that point, like in talking about uh, the titles of it all, I have this conversation with friends a lot. It's like the easiest way to get your email responded to is to have money, to be a VC, right? Because it's all about the flow of money. The second easiest way is to be like a CEO or a founder. And then there's everything else on earth. And then there's being an SDR. Um, and I think that just like, you know, having moved personally from an SDR to a founder position it is very refreshing. Yeah, but uh, I, I, I can also add to this. So if your audience is active on linkedin uh just start there because yeah. it's oh, yeah. been so if you if you personalize a meeting invite with a with, with something relevant and you also have um a, a social following that is 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 worth connecting to uh, it, you can win an i don't mind an sdr adding me if they have a you know five at least five thousand followers or more and that's actually not so hard to achieve and and that amplifies everyone's message and um yeah especially if it's relevant to to you the business problems that you're facing and and you won't have to send a 12 12 email cadence you know mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. just linkedin is such a good tool these days uh if your audience is there mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think you have to cultivate your persona i think that's like a big difference 
in selling from like when you said when in the heyday of outbound SDR sending, you know, tons of messages is that people want to buy from people. And I think, you know, getting a personalized message from a real person who comes in rather than, you know, maybe a, a semi-anonymous email. I think that's really meaningful as well. Certainly. Cool. Awesome. Well, as we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to promote or folks you're looking for in our SaaS community? I think that, um, you know, since we are speaking about this, uh, this sort of topic on, on SDRs and the growth, so I, you know, I, I went through this journey in the past 10 years, uh, starting off in SDR, becoming an, a sales leader and a founder. Um, and it's just like if you're being persistent and, and sort of mindful and curious, about what you're, you know, going into and learning not only about the industry, but how company works together and operates. I think that's, you know, everything is possible. It's just uh, really have to be careful with making sure that you know, you know, what you're, what you want and when, what's your goal is. And, 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 and I think, you know, if more people had that, they would pay more attention to actually but who they're reaching out to and and what is the message like and why are they even sending them this message so i think i think that's a good good thing to think about in general it seems like you know it's just so refreshing to receive some good quality outbound uh, and when it, when it's there so it makes me happy and and you know and that you can only achieve that if you're curious and then the, the rest will kind of come <laughs> absolutely absolutely well Giannis, this was really fun i appreciate the time today uh i'm sure a lot of folks will get a lot of value from it from the lessons of outbounding from an sdr to a founder that's something we both share so thank you for the time today awesome thank you very much